Welcome to Vedic Mythology, Music, and Mantras. I'm Ben Collins. In this podcast, we're going to continue our series on Yajnavalkya and the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad. And as always, this podcast is presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the net. In our last episode, we began with the story of Yajnavalkya and the big yagya that was being held to determine who was the greatest Brahmayani, the greatest knower of Brahman. And Yajnavalkya had indirectly claimed that honor for himself by taking King Janaka's thousand cows and their gold pieces, and then had successfully answered every question that was put to him especially those posed by Gargi, the woman-seer. But even after she sat down, there was one last questioner. His name was Shakalya. Now, the text of the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad doesn't say very much about him, but it seems that Shakalya was a typically intellectual pundit who posed very interesting and challenging questions, but who, as we might say today, totally missed the point. And this turns out to be much to his eventual dismay. Shakalya asked Yagnavalkya, How many gods are there? Yagnavalkya thought for a moment and said, 303. And then after a pause he said, No, wait, 3003. And Shakalya says, Is that your final answer? First you say 303, then you say 3003. Do you have another answer? Yagnavalkya says, there are 33 gods. And Shikalya says, 33, are you sure? Yagnavalkya says, hmm, there are six. Shikalya says, now think carefully, how many gods are there? Yagnavalkya says, there are two gods. Shikalya says, two, are you certain? Yagnavalkya says, hmm, one and a half gods. Shikalya says, one and a half. Now, come on, tell me properly how many gods are there. Yagnavalkya says, one god is there. Now, Shikalya is being very challenging, and he says, well, you said 300, 3,000, kindly name these gods. Yagnavalkya says, all these 3,000 and all that I mentioned, they're not really gods, they're only manifestations of the 33. Thirty-three are the principal manifestations and and manifestations, magnificences, as forces of nature. But what are these thirty-three? asked Shikalya. Yagnavalkya explained that the thirty-three gods are the eight Vasus, the eleven Rudras, the twelve Adityas, they make thirty-one, then Indra and Prajapati, these make thirty-three gods. And Shikalya says, well, what are these vasus, which are eight in number? And Yagnavalkya replies, well, fire is one deity, earth is one deity, air is another, the atmosphere is one, the sun is one, the heaven is one, the moon is one, and the stars are one deity. These constitute eight groups. Well, Shikalya says, then what are the twelve adityas, these suns? Yagnavalkya says, no, they are not twelve suns, they are the twelve forces of the sun, the months of the year. Chikalya says, well, who is Indra, who is Prajavati? 
Yagnavalkya replies, Indra is the power within you. The power that you know not fully, that is Indra. Vajapati is the supreme being himself, identified as sacrifice or yagya. The theme here is that each time Shakalya asks, how many gods? Yagnavalkya describes them on one level, say 3,000 gods, and then says, oh, no, 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 wait, just 33, or 300. Why? Because the 3,000 gods are just a more diverse manifestation of the 300, which go back to the 33, which go back, and so on and so on. Different levels of creation and different realities. The cause resides inside the effect. So now we're down to two. Indra, the most powerful force of nature, the king of gods, and Prajapati, the creator, who is embodied in the concept of sacrifice, in which the small individual gets connected with the larger universal reality. So now Shakaya asks, well, who are the three gods? Yagnavalkya says, the three worlds. The three worlds themselves are gods because there can be no gods outside the three worlds. The worlds are identified with the gods who preside over them. Shakaya says, but you said there were two gods. Who are they? Yagnavalkya says, energy and matter. These are the two gods. Everything is energy and everything is matter. In Sanskrit, the line is anam chaiva pranaschati. The whole universe consists of matter and energy. There's nothing else. Outwardly, it's matter. Inwardly, it's energy, ana and prana. Be satisfied, Shakalya, says Yagnavalkya. This sounds like a suggestion, but in the end, it might better have been interpreted as a warning by Shakalya. But, Shakalya says, there's one being, which is the Sutra Atman, the one thread, Sutra, that links together all of creation. And if so, how can you say there's one and a half gods? Yagnavalkya explains, because everything flourishes on account of this vital force. God is one and a half because the cosmic vital force functions in two ways, cosmically and individually. In its transcendent aspect, it is one. There's nothing second to it. But it makes each individual imagine that he or she or it is complete and not a part of the cosmic unity. So you have one fullness and one half. From here, they take a journey into some other line of questioning. This is really just a rehash from another angle. But then eventually, Yagnavalkya answers all the questions, and with rather good humor, but then, since this is starting to get long, he's starting to get annoyed. And he says, what are all these questions? How many questions do you ask like this? I'm tired of answering your questions, Shakalya. What is the point? And you're going on asking questions like this on every blessed thing in the world. Is this audience here to use you as a kind of cat's paw? Are they using you as tongs to hold hot embers of fire? Are they using you as an instrument? And here's another warning, because Yagnavalkya just referred to himself as a hot ember, and Sakalya is about to get burned. Uh, and you want to catch me with the tongs of questions, Yagnavalkya asks. And yet, Shakalya presses on, asking more and more questions about the different directions and the deities who rule them, 
And finally, Shakalya asks, who rules that which is overhead? And the sun is the obvious answer, and it would also obviously be related to the fire element. So, Shakalya, where is the fire element, is based, and the answer is in speech. And where is speech based? In the heart, explains Yagnavalkya. And Shakalya asks, well then, where is the heart based? At this point, Yagnavalkya gets kind of irritated and says, you are a foolish man. You're asking me where the heart is found? Do, not, do you not know where your own heart is? You want a foundation for the heart? If the heart is not in your own self, if it be anywhere else, what will happen to you? Dogs will eat you and vultures will tear you to pieces. What a foolish question you ask. The heart cannot be anywhere other than in your own self. Well, Shakalya is undeterred and he goes on and asks more questions about the operating of prana, the life force but he never seems to be making any progress. It was just intellectual challenge after intellectual challenge, without much of a point, no destination, and certainly no conclusion. And time and time again, Yagnavalkya describes a vision of creation that's brilliant in its completeness, from the absolute to the infinite, each layer nesting within the other, one relying, <clears throat> one relying on the other as its foundation, in response to the questioning of Gargi. And even in response to Shikaya's questions, he leads him back from the cosmic reality to the individual and from there to the universal again. But it was not enough for Shikaya, and so finally, Yagnavalkya asks Shikaya a simple question, one that's really the point of the whole Upanishad. Yagnavalkya questions Shikaya, Do you know what is this supreme being that I am referring to? the great being that's sung in the Upanishads, I ask you, what is this great Purusha, the great being sung of in the Upanishads, in the sacred texts, the one being due to whose existence itself these deities function and perform their duties in a systematic manner? Well, it's a brilliant question, elegant in its apparent simplicity. This one question is the essence of what I think is the central insight of the Vedic tradition. Can the intellect answer this? Can the intellect, whose job it is to differentiate, to cut apart, and examine everything, can the intellect know this Purusha? Well, Shakalya can't answer the question because it's based on experience, not intellect. And this is the foundation of the Upanishads. They are experiences, not intellectual exercises. The question can only be answered on the basis of experience, and poor Shakalya was caught and stumped. Yagnavalkya, with a slightly rising voice, no doubt, said, If you cannot tell me who this being is, sung of in the Upanishads, your head will fall. Well, the crowd must have gasped when they heard that, because a true Rishi, like Yagnavalkya, lives in the highest truth, and he has what they call Vaksidhi which means that they can only speak the truth, and therefore, whatever they say is true, literally. So if Yagnavalkya said his head would fall, if he couldn't answer the question, it certainly would. And indeed, Sakalya did not know who this Purusha was. He was a great intellect, but in the end it did him no good at all, 
because the genuine realization lies more subtly than that which the intellect can grasp. And the Upanishad continues to make the situation as scary and memorable as possible by pointing out that Chakalya's students took his body, and they were going to cremate it, but some robbers on the road saw them and thought that the bundle that the students were carrying might have been something of great value, and they assaulted the students and stole the body. So you can imagine the silence that came when Yagnavalkya asked if there were any more questions. Please, he said, feel free to ask anything. But no one had anything to say. So I think it's safe to say that he probably had their complete attention at that point. And Yagnavalkya proceeds to answer his own question. And it's a wonderfully brief teaching that once again eloquently captures the essence of the Vedas from a unique perspective. Yagnavalkya says a human being may be compared to the leaves on a tree. Just as leaves grow on a tree, hair grows on the body. The bark of a tree and the skin of a human being may be compared. Just as there is bark outside the tree, there is skin on the outside of the body. From the bark, the juice of the tree exudes. Likewise, blood can exude from the skin of a body. When you cut a tree, its essence exudes. Likewise, an injured person exudes blood from the body. If a tree is cut, it grows again. It does not perish. A new tree grows from the stem which remains even after the tree is cut. So now, my friends, I ask you a question. What is the thing that enables the human being to grow even after death? If death is to snatch away the body of an individual, from which root does he grow again into a new birth? You know how the tree regrows, even if it's cut, but how does the human being grow? He's killed by death and his body is no more. When there's nothing that can be called the individual after the death of the body, what is the seed out of which his new body is fashioned? The tree grows out of the seed, and if the seed is not there, how can the tree grow? Something vital must be there in the tree in order that the trunk at least may grow. But if nothing's there, suppose you pluck out every root of the tree itself. There would be no further growth of the tree. If the root of a tree is pulled out, the tree will not grow. And so if the root of a person is pulled out at the time of death, what is that which grows after death? But we cannot conceive of any root for the individual being. There's no root if everything is destroyed. The body is gone. It doesn't leave a seed behind, nor is there a root left. Even the root has gone. So, what's the answer to this question? You may say he's born, and then he is dead. The matter's over. Where is the question of rebirth? Who tells you that there's rebirth? Something has come. Something is gone. The matter's done. It's very simple. So there's no question of being a connection between the present state of annihilation and the future birth. Is this correct? But no says Yagnavalkya, it's not possible, because if there is no rebirth, there would be an inexplicability of the variety of experiences in the lives of the people that we see now. You would find that there's no answer to the question as to why there's a variety of physical constitutions. If there's no karma and no rebirth, then one can enjoy what one does not deserve, and one can suffer the consequences of actions which one has not done. If there's not going to be any connection between the past and the future, 
anyone's actions in this life can bear fruit in a present or future life of any other individual. If I do good, you may get the reward, or if I may do bad, you may suffer from it. If this is not to take place, then there should be some connection between the present condition of the individual and the future condition of the same soul. There is nothing left of the individual when he perishes in his physical body, but there is something which must connect him with even the remotest form of life. A person can be born in the most distant regions, not necessarily in this world even. After the death of the body, rebirth can take place, not necessarily in this world, but in the most distant regions. What is it that carries you to that distant region or world? It is the Absolute that is responsible for it. He is the bestower of the fruits of all actions, and actions yield fruit only on account of the existence of the Absolute, the transcendent unifying and organizing force of the universe. If it were not to be, actions would not produce any result, and no cause would be connected to any effect. So ultimately, it's the Supreme Brahman that's the root of the individual. So the Supreme Being, the Absolute, is the support not only of the individuals that transmigrate from body to body in the process of samsara, but also the ultimate resort of the liberated soul who knows it fully. So Yagnavalkya closes his discourse. The audience disperses, and apparently Yagnavalkya gets to keep his cows. In this month's Yagyas on the Pujanet site will include the recitation of the Brihad Aranyaka Upanishad by a group of Shukla Yajurvedas pundits. And I'm hoping to receive a copy of it at some point in the next few weeks. And if I do, I will post it on the Pujanet site for you to listen to. In the meantime, I thought for this week I'd include some chanting of the Sri Saraswati Stuti which was composed by the sage Yagnavalkya, about whom we've been talking. And then we'll follow that with some more of the mantras by Yagnavalkya. This time it is from the Kanvashaka of the Shukla Yajurveda, and the selection is from the Ashwamedha uh, Prakarana, the horse Yagya. And that'll be all for this week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. अथ श्री सरस्वती दशश्लोकी स्त्रषय ऊचु कथम सारस्वत प्राप्ति कैन ध्यान सुव्रत महासरस्वती आश्वलायन उवाच शृण्वंदुषय सर्वे गुह्यात्ह्यतम महत दशश्लोकी स्तुति वदापूर्वक अंकुशम चाक्षसूत्र पाशं पुस्तम चारिणी मुक्ताहारैस्सुक्ताेवीध्याुर्भुजा सितेन दर्पणाभन वक्न परिभूषिता सुस्तनी वेदी मध्यांद्राधकृतशेखरा जटाकलापसंयुक्ता पूर्णचंद्र निभाणना त्रिलोचनी महादेवी स्वर्णनोपुरधारिणी कटकस्वर्णरत्नाढ़्यमलयूषिता कंबुकंठी सुताम्रोष्टी सर्वाभरणूषिता केयूरैर्मेखलाद्योतयती जगत्र शब्द ब्रह्मारणी ध्यान काम सहिता 
वक्षे सारस्वतम स्त्रोत्रम वाक् प्रवृत्ति शुभम लक्ष्मी विवर्धनम चवादे विजय प्रदम पर ब्रह्मात्मिका देवी भुक्ति मुक्ति फल प्रदा प्रणम्यस्तौमितामेवशक्ति सरस्वती या वेदातत्कूपरमाथतात्मका व्यक्ता सामं पा सरस्वती या सांगोपांगेदेशु चतुर्शेक गीयते अद्वैता ब्रह्मण शक्ति सामं पा सरस्वती या वर्णपदवाक्याण वर्तते अनाधनता सामं पा सरस्वती अध्यात्मदीश्वरी प्रत्यगात्मे सी या सामं पा सरस्वती अंतरियात्मना विश्व त्रैलोक्यम यानीयती रुद्रादिपस्था सामं पा सरस्वती या प्रत्यदृष्टिर्ज्ञानैर्ज्यमाणाभूयते व्याज्ञप्तिपैका सामं पा सरस्वती नाम जादिर्भेदैरष्टाकता निर्विकल्पात्मकाम पा सरस्वती व्यक्ता व्यक्तगिस्वेदेवाद्याहरियामदुबाधेनु सामं पा सरस्वती यादिवाखिम बंधम निर्मचामलवर्मणा योगीयादिपरम स्थानम सामं पा सरस्वती नाम जाद्यादिकमश्यतांतीब्रह्मूपैका सामं पा सरस्वती यंगम भुक्ति मुक्ति वाछती सौभ्यक्षना दशश्लोक्या भक्तस्तौ सरस्वती तस्तु निमभ्यक्ष सरस्वती भक्तिश्रद्धाभियुक्त षण्मा प्रत्ययो भवत प्रवर्तते वाणी स्वेच्छया ललिताक्षरा गद्यपद्यात्मका विद्या प्रमेयर्तते अश्रुत बुध्यते ग्रंथ प्राय सारस्वत कवि श्रुत चधारेदाशु स्थलवाग्स्पष्टवाग्भवे प्रख्यातर्वोकेशो वाग्मीवती पूजिता अजित प्रतिपक्षाताजाते अयोध्यवाह्यवा विवादे प्रस्तुते सती अहम वाचस्पतिर्षुशिवो वास्मी भावयेदयता तेन मृगस्पतिर स्वयं न शक्नोति परम वक्त नरेशु काकथा न कांचन स्त्रिय निंदे न देवाजा अनार्यर्नाषेत सर्वी भवत्रिमेच्छाब्धन श्लोकृत प्रतिवादिनम प्रतिवादिगजानु सिंहो तज यदिदृचे नीवी योर्छति सुव्रता तस्नासंस्कृता वाणी मुखादुच्चरिता क्वचि प्रथम भारती नाम द्वितीय सरस्वती तृतीय शारदा देवी चतुर्थम कंसमर्दनी पंचम जन्माता षम चुपावती सप्तम चमाक्षी ह्यम ब्रह्मचारिणी नवम चाही दशमं ब्रह्मपुत्रिकादशम चग्देवी द्वादशम वरदाबिका द्वादशिताध्यम यठेन्न तस्य सारस्वतम चैव षण्मा सेन सिद्ध्यति 
यस्मरणमात्रेण वाग्विभोतिर्विजृंभते सा भारती प्रसन्ना क्षीरमता मन्मुखाबुजे इश्वलायन मुनिर्जगातोत्रोग निधान भूत पठनिजवरशुचिता मुपैति संध्यापैति न संशोत्र वंदेहम मंगलात्मा भास्वत वेद विग्रह याज्ञवल्यम मुनिश्रेष्ठम जिष्णु हरिहर प्रभम जितेन्द्रिय जितक्रोधम सदा ध्यानपरायण आनंद निलय वंदे योगानंद मुनीश्वर प्रणम्याज्ञं दिनमणि योगीश्वर शिरोमणि सर्वज्ञेयाज्ञवल्यम तक्षिष्यम कायन मुनि ओं श्रीयाज्ञवल्य गुरभ्यो नम कण्वकायनादिमहर्षिभ्यो नम भानुगुप्तायातयाम वेदमानीयुध्यापयत्कमुख्या तस्म वेदात्मने नम अभिवाद्य गुरोन्वादिदरम कांवाश्वेधमंत्रन् वै प्रवक्षा वयम मुदा गणपतिहे प्रियपतिहे निधीनाधिपतिहे वसो मेजो शिशुक्रमृत मयुष्पा मे पाहि देवस्वासवितुप्रसवेश्विनोद्बाहुभ्यास्ताभ्यामृभ्रंरचनामृत पूर्व आयुषि विगथेशु कव्यास्त आवृत सामंसरमारपंती अभिधाया तम वैधान देंभ्य प्रजापत नाध्नि प्रजापत ताजुष्ट प्रोक्षाग्निभ्याजुष्ट प्रोक्षा वायवेजुष्ट प्रोक्षा विश्वेभ्यस्वादेजुष्ट प्रोक्षा संवेभ्यस्वादेजुष्ट प्रोक्षा ृहाग्रेसिमीतिवरुण परो मत परश्वाग्नयेस्वा सोमायस्वाहामोदायस्वाहा इंद्राय स्वाह बृहस्पत स्वाहा मित्रा स्वाह वरुणा स्वाहा 
हिंकाराय स्वाहांकृताय स्वाहांधते स्वाहांक्रंदय स्वाहाथते स्वाहाय स्वाहांधाय स्वाहाय स्वाहा निष्ठा स्वाहोपाष्टा स्वाहा संधिताय स्वाहाते स्वाहा आसीनाय स्वाहा शयानाय स्वाहास्वते स्वाहा जाग्रते स्वाहा पूजते स्वाहा प्रबुद्धा स्वाहा विजृंभमाय स्वाहा विचुक्ताय स्वाहा सगृहाय स्वाहोपस्थिताय स्वाहायनाय स्वाहाय स्वाहा ये स्वाहाधावते स्वाहोद्रवाय स्वाहोद्रुवाय स्वाहा शुकाराय स्वाहा शुकृताय स्वाहा निषन्नाय स्वाहोत्थिताय स्वाहा जवाय स्वाहा बलाय स्वाहा विवर्तमाय स्वाहा विवृत्ताय स्वाहा विधोन्वाय स्वाहा विधूताय स्वाहा शुश्रूषमाय स्वाहा शुंभते स्वाहा ईक्षमाय स्वाहेक्षिताय स्वाहा वीक्षिताय स्वाहा निमेषाय स्वाहा यदस्म स्वाहातिपातिम स्वाहाम स्वाहा कुर्मते स्वाहाताय स्वाहाण्यम भर्गो देवी धियो यो नचोदया हिण्यपाणीमूत सबितापे सचेता देवता पदम देवस्ेत महीं प्रसादुर्हवामहे सुमति सप्तराधसम सुष्टुति सुमती वृधो राति सुरीमहे प्रदेवाय मती विदे राति सत्पति महेशमुपे आसवंदेवीत देवस्वितमतिमाश्वरेमनामहे अग्निस्तोमेन बोधय सोमर्थ्यम हव्या देशो नो दधते सहव्यवाशिदूत नो हिताधिया सवती तंपाधदस्नयीमहे चिभानो स्विदम देवाईतूतम पुरोदेहव्यवाहमुपब्रुवे देवासादयादिहाजनो हि पवमसूय विधारे शक्मनापया गोजीरयारग्रहमाणपुरंध्या विभूर्मात्र प्रभो पिता शो सिहयो सत्यो सिमयो सर्वा शिशक्तिरसिमाज्य शिवृषा सिर्मणा असी यम शिशुन्ना
प्रश्नते स्वाहा शिकायते स्वाहा पुष्पाभ्य स्वाहाद्य स्वाहाय स्वाहाय स्वाहा सोमाय स्वाहेन्द्राय स्वाहा पृथ्वी स्वाहांतरिक्षा स्वाहा ಸ್ವಾಹಾಸ್ವಾಹಾಸ್ವಾಹಾ ಮೂಲೇಭ್ಯಸ್ವಾಹಾಶಾಖಾಭ್ಯಸ್ವಾಹಾಸ್ವಾಹಾ ವನಸ್ಪತಿಭ್ಯಸ್ವಾಹಾಪರಿಪ್ಲವೇಭ್ಯಸ್ವಾಹಾಚರಾಚರೇಭ್ಯಸ್ವಾಹಾ ಶೂಷಾಯಸ್ವಾಹಾಧಿವಾಪತಯೇಸ್ವಾಹಾ ಸಹಸ್ಯಾಯಸ್ವಾಹಾಪಸ್ಯಾಯಸ್ವಾಹಾಪಸ್ಯಾಯಸ್ವಾಹಾಧ್ಯಸ್ವಾಹಾ ಅಂತ್ಯಾಯಸ್ವಾಹಾಧಿಪತಯೇಸ್ವಾಹಾಧಿಪತಯೇಸ್ವಾಹಾಪ್ರದಾಪತಯೇಸ್ವಾಹ
ಪಿಲಾಸೀತ್ಯಶಂಗಿಲಾಸೀತ್ಯಶಂಗಿಲಾಸೀತ್ಯಶಂಗಿಲಾಸೀತ್ಯಶಂಗಿಲಾಸ
ಸಕ್ಷಿಭುವೃಣೋಯಮತ್ತಿಷ್ಟಮ್ಯತೆ ಶೂದ್ರಾಯಿಯಾಯಿಧಾರೋಣಪೋಷಮನುಮನ್ಯತೆ ಗಾಯತ್ರೀತ್ರಷ್ಟುಬ್ಜಗತ್ಯನಷ್ಟುಪಂಕ್ಯಾಸಹಾ ಮೈಹೇರ್ವಿದ್ಯಿತೋವಾಚಸ್ಸೂಚಿಭಿಶ್ಯಂತ್ವಾಜತಾಹರಿಣೀಸಿಸಾಜೋಯುಜ್
ಪಂಚಸ್ವಂತಪುರುಷಾಮಿವೇಶಾಂತಪುರುಷೇತ್ರ ಪಂಚಸ್ವಂತಪುರುಷಾಮಿವೇಶಾಂತಪುರುಷೇತ್ರಪತಿಮನ್ವಾಸ್ಮಿನಯಾಸೀತ್ಪೂರ್ವಜ